you know, you should match the specificity of your training to meet the demands of the sport. So really, you know, slow, long distance jogging is never done in baseball. Baseball is a max effort game. And, you know, every pitch is near max effort. Every swing is near max effort. And so your training should be very similar to that. To Moms of Baseball, this is Stephanie, and it's episode 24. And this is Diana. Today we're going to be doing part two of our series on arm care. So last week we kind of just teased our listeners, I guess, a little bit by bringing up a bunch of controversial arm care questions and let you know that we had this really amazing expert that gave us some answers, but we kept it top secret and couldn't let you know who that was, unfortunately. So today, to make up for that, we are going to be going over those same questions in more detail and And this time we have another amazing expert with us as a guest and we will let you know who it is today and you'll get to hear all about him. We have Dr. Ryan Brown. He is a physical therapist. He works a lot with baseball players and he has a bit of history playing baseball himself. So welcome. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you, guys. It's great to be on here. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us today. To get started, since, like I said, we wouldn't let our listeners know anything about our expert last week, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your own history playing baseball? Yeah, so I grew up playing baseball. I played, you know, since I was seven years old, and I did the whole travel baseball thing. That was my life for a long time, and I was lucky enough to go on to play college baseball at the College of William & Mary. And I was very fortunate when I got there, uh, I played outfield. When I got there, a few outfielders had just left. And so the spot was wide open for me. So I was able to come in and and start my freshman year and and play four years of center field at William & Mary. And I was a leadoff hitter and I got just a ton of experience and they they let me fail a lot. you know, and they, they, they were very gracious with me. I came in pretty raw as a, just a good athlete, but you know, I, I thought I was really good in high school and you get to college and you realize that everyone's really good. And, you know, my (laughs) freshman year of college, I really, I really learned that I have to work at this. And so I, I really, I really kind of committed to working at it. And, uh, you know, I was able to actually play the most games in William & Mary history, and I just had an amazing college experience. I'm so thankful for my college baseball career. Wow. That's great. And so to be a doctor in physical therapy, that's a lot of years of college, I would imagine. You stayed with that as soon as you finished your four years of undergrad? Right. It is. So So I studied kinesiology at the College of William & Mary. And then right after my four years there, I went on to physical therapy school, which is another three years. So I went to Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. So I did three years and I and I graduated there. I actually met my wife there as well. She's an amazing physical therapist here in Richmond as well. And so we we just settled down here in Richmond. We have a daughter and, and we actually have one more on the way. So my wife is about 15 weeks pregnant. So we're expecting another one in August. Oh, congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's great. So I, I guess maybe tell us a little bit about what you do currently for physical therapy. I'm assuming you work a lot with athletes. I do. Yeah. So right now I work full time for a, a big orthopedics company called Ortho Virginia. And then on the side, I work specifically with baseball players doing strength and conditioning work, doing physical therapy and doing more baseball specific training in a facility close by. So so I do a little bit of everything, uh, but but I work with a lot of high school athletes, a lot of high school baseball players, really trying to help them refine uh, their strength and conditioning and, and trying to get their bodies as ready as possible for, for the season. 
Okay, that's great. I know that you have had a chance to go over our brief answers we got from our expert last week. We're really curious to hear your thoughts because we do realize that we, we tried to come up with some controversial type questions where there's people that have different opinions on it. And you guys are coming from, from different areas. He's coming from more of a coaching arena and you're coming from the health arena. So although you would both have the best interest in mind of the athlete, they're coming from different perspectives. Right. So we're really mm-hmm. curious to dive into those questions and, and see your thoughts. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get going. This is some good content. Excellent. We're just going to start individually. Like, what are your thoughts on icing? Like a sore arm after an outing. So really, in order to recover, in order to fully recover after you throw, you need blood flow. So anytime you throw, the muscles and ligaments in your arm endure microscopic trauma and What happens is you have dead cells basically sitting in your tissues. And in order to get new cells in, you need blood flow. And ice actually is what we call a vasoconstrictor. So it decreases blood flow. Um, So, you know, instead of increasing blood flow and increasing that turnover, ice actually decreases that turnover. So I recommend not using ice after throwing. If you're in pain, that's one thing. But really, you want to increase the blood flow into your tissues after you throw for recovery rather than decrease. So I'm, I'm not a fan of icing. I've never heard of anyone doing this, but I'm curious as I'm listening to you talk. The opposite of icing is adding heat. That would bring more blood flow. Is that something that athletes right. should mm-hmm. do? That is an option. Really, probably the better option is to do things that just naturally increase your systemic blood flow, meaning, you know, doing some sprint work or doing some band work, or we can talk about, you know, the electrical stimulation units, those type of things to increase the blood flow, you know, throughout your body rather than just applying some heat. You can certainly do that, but the goal is blood flow and turning those cells over and getting new cells in. So again, you know, ice to me is for when you have pain. You don't really need to ice just after a normal throwing session. Would you differentiate between pain and like sore, meaning, you know, you threw a lot of pitches and your your muscles just fatigued. That's different than, you you know, you kind of pulled something. Right, exactly. Yeah. An injury may need ice, but, you know, normal soreness after throwing is is just that as normal. You know, you should have some soreness after throwing. But if it's actual pain, if it's if it's an injury, if it's pain, then you can certainly use ice for that. Okay, perfect. That's great advice. And you talked about it a little bit, but and running, doing long distance or intervals after throwing, what do you think about that? Yeah, there's a term, it's called the SED principle. And it says, you know, you should match the specificity of your training to meet the demands of the sport. So really, you know, slow, long distance jogging is never done in baseball. Baseball is a max effort game. And, you know, every pitch is near max effort. Every swing is near max effort. And so your training should be very similar to that. And so instead of going for a a long distance jog, you should be doing some sprint work. You should do something that's fairly max effort in order just to match to the specificity of the sport. Oh, that's great. I love how you explain that because that's basically the same thing our expert said last week, Stephanie, but mm-hmm. we, we we had no explanation as to why or to understand it yes. better. So that makes 100% perfect sense. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, baseball is all about kind of, to some degree, you're kind of standing around and then it's just super high right. intensity. Yes. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. There was actually, I just saw a study recently that showed that long distance jogging during the season actually decreases your power output and your power production. So, you know, again, I think you want to be as specific to the sport as possible. And like you said, 
the majority of the time you're just standing around, but you know, when it's time to go, you need to go hundred percent. And so your training needs to match that. I feel like my brother would have loved to have had his coach hear this advice yeah. when he was playing college <laughs> baseball, because I know for a fact he was a pitcher when everyone else was doing like BP, they just ran and ran and ran oh. and ran and ran. Right. I know it's, it's definitely the old school <laughs> approach for sure, but it's definitely changing now. That's great. Good news for pitchers. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your thoughts on bands versus weights or both? Yeah, I I think both are extremely important. The way that I would categorize them or break them down is when you use weights, you're you're strengthening what we call the prime movers of your joint. So, for example, like for the shoulder joint, you're strengthening your pecs and your lats and your deltoids, these big muscles that move the joint. When you use bands, you're strengthening what we call the stabilizers of the joint. So the the muscles that really help the mechanics of the joint work better, the muscles that hold the ball centered in the socket and keep it from sliding around. When the ball really slides around the socket, that's when you start to get biceps injuries and labrum injuries. And so, you know, each of these modalities of exercise is focusing on something different, but they're both extremely important to be consistent with if you want to maximize your performance and if you want to minimize your risk of injuries. Okay. That's great. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on long toss? Yeah. Long toss is another great tool to build arm strength. I think it should be utilized by almost every player. I think the way that I tend to approach it is I like to have guys throw max intent long toss. So really high intensity long toss about two days a week and a more medium intent two days a week and a little bit lower intensity two days a week just to give their arms some time to rest in between and and recover. Um, But I think you should be doing long toss pretty regularly. Most kids should. And the key is that, you know, kids should learn to listen to their arm and to know, you know, if they're feeling pretty good one day, they can let it loose a bit more. Or if their arm is feeling a bit fatigued to pull it back a little bit. But long toss is definitely an invaluable tool to build arm strength. And what, what a lot of kids find is that the more they long toss, the more their arm wants to long toss, you know, so they, they condition their arm to be able to tolerate more throws. So I, I think it's a really, really important tool to use. Yeah, that's, that's really good to know. The next one is the heavy balls or the, the plyo care balls. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So what do you think uh, for the youth kids? Yeah, this is, this is definitely a hot topic issue right now. Um, <laughs> it, is. It, it is. It is because, I, and I think this is why, because, you know, kids see that a weighted ball program that's going to help increase their velocity in six weeks. And, you know, it, it seems like it's just this golden ticket to increasing your velocity. But here, here's the deal with weighted balls. Weighted balls have been shown to do a couple of things. They've been shown to increase your external rotation range of motion, so how far your arm lays back when you're throwing. They have actually been shown to increase velocity, but they have also been shown to increase the risk of injury. And so anytime you're you're using a weighted ball, you're sort of walking a fine line, and it's really easy to cross that line and get injured. I, I would say usually for me, when considering to use weighted balls with players, I like to have them, first of all, have pretty solid throwing mechanics, you know? Right. If you don't have good mechanics and you use a weighted ball, it's sort of like if you have a a really bad squatting pattern and then you just load the bar up with heavy weights and ask them to squat. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're just, you're just increasing the forces through the joints. Right. And I like to see kids have relative skeletal maturity, meaning they've reached puberty. Their growth plates are, are pretty much closed. 
and they're able to build some lean muscle to support their joints just to, to mitigate some of the forces with these weighted balls. But again, you know, I think it's a good tool, but you have to have some of these things in place beforehand if you want to decrease your risk of injury using them. That makes sense. And this might be completely wrong because it's been a couple of years and science is not my area. <laughs> <laughs> so Xander, my older son, so he would have been 11 at the time, had a borderline growth plate issue yeah. type injury with his elbow. Um, super common, I guess, with pitchers where yeah. they only did an x-ray. They didn't do an MRI and they didn't see any separation with the growth plate. But based on symptoms and some heat, they just kind of treated it that way just to be careful. Right. And he went through physical therapy. And I want to say that he said that when he saw pitchers, that they tended to have like a lot of external rotation, but that yeah. but their internal rotation tended to be somewhat limited. And so he was trying to like balance that out. So that you got it. if what you're saying is true, it, you could be risking like making that even more off balance, I guess, if you're already tended to be that way as a pitcher. Right. So almost almost every baseball player has just from throwing a baseball, they have an increase in external rotation range of motion and a slight decrease in internal rotation range of motion. And this is a normal adaptation from throwing. It's not nothing bad. It's just what happens. Your body adapts to the stresses that you place on it. But if you take a body that has increased external rotation and you have them throw a weighted ball repeatedly for six weeks, you can increase that external rotation even more. And if you get too much external rotation, that's kind of what I was saying. It's walking a fine line. If you get too much... Okay. Then, then the shoulder becomes unstable, and that's what we—that's okay. what we don't want. We don't want an unstable shoulder that's throwing a ball repetitively over and over. You know, that's that's just asking for an injury. So that's so it's sort of walking that fine line between increasing your external rotation, which is good, but still having the strength to control the external rotation. Yes, and not to have instability within the joint. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So my son, he is like on YouTube and he's watching Trevor Bauer, who does his vlog on YouTube, Yeah, you know, what he does and um, his conditioning and everything like that. So my son is now gung ho on getting the weighted balls and, and doing his, his workout to help his pitching arm and everything like that. Yeah. Could you elaborate a little bit on about what age do you think that the growth plates would, would kind of close up? Yeah. You know, I think that for the most part, your kids are okay to start using uh, weighted balls before their growth plates are fully closed. And, and every, everyone is a little bit different in when that's going to happen. But essentially, when the growth plates close, that's when you're done growing. Yeah. So if you've hit a major growth spurt, and again, you've, if you've hit puberty and you, know, you, you have some uh, ability to gain muscle mass and, and you have good mechanics, those are, those are the main things I look for. Um, it's hard to know, to be honest with you, right. unless you go get an x-ray if your if your growth plates are closed. So that's not necessarily a criteria everyone should use. But again, you know, I think that if your mechanics are, are sound and you have decent stability around your joints and you're able to build muscle and you're on a good arm care program, I think that it's okay to start, but you definitely have to listen to your body. You know, you definitely have to listen to your body and know when it's time to pull back. And again, you need to be on a consistent arm care program in order to maintain the strength of your arm as you go through that weighted ball program, if that's, if that's the r route that you want to go. Right. 
Thank you. Thanks for clarifying that. We'll touch more on the the arm care program after we get through these questions so you can elaborate a bit more on what you mean by that. Right. Yeah. So the next one would be the TENS unit, which is the bioelectronic stimulation. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, these are becoming more popular. I think I think a lot of major leaguers use them. And mm-hmm. so again, this goes back to what we we're what we were talking about before with increasing blood flow. So essentially what it is and the brand that people use is called a Mark Pro and it's it's pretty expensive. So, you know, I think there's a couple there's a couple more affordable brands that to be honest with you probably work just fine. But, you know, the idea is you put these uh, electrodes, you put these pads on your shoulder, on you know, on your muscles after you've pitched or after you've thrown, and they contract your muscles and they create some blood flow and they sort of turn those dead cells over and they do a lot of things that we were talking about. And you just have to sit there. <laughs> that's why that's why a lot of people like it because you just you just sit there and and the machine kind of works for you. So I think it's a great option to be honest with you. You know. It seems a little bit much right. for me for like a 12 year old to have a Mark Pro and, you know, recovering, you know, but yeah, I think it does work pretty well for recovery, but there's a lot of ways to recover. You know, there's, there's other things you can do that, that help to increase blood flow. Like we said, like sprint work or doing some band work or doing some mobility work, doing some self massage, that type of thing is all important. But I mean, the Mark Pro is great. It's a really good tool, but you know, if you, if you're the parent of a 12 year old, don't think you got to go spend all this money on a Mark Pro. There's other things to do. But they are great. I do think that they are a good tool for recovery. That's great advice. But I also, at the same time, feel like you slightly underestimate how much uh, travel baseball parents are willing to spend on their 12-year-olds. You're right. (laughs) You are right. I know. I know. I'm... If you're willing to spend the money for your son to recover, (laughs) then by all means, it's a great tool. (laughs) All right, Ryan. Any advice for young catchers who are also pitching? Yeah, so there, there's actually a study specifically on this. So there's a study that showed that kids who pitch and also catch are 2.9 times more likely to get injured. Ooh. You know, so I think that it's smart to not do it. I think that there are some cases where, you know, if the kid is young and he's not sure what he wants to play and he, he's just trying positions out, I think it's okay. But I would say that if they are catching and pitching, I think that you just need to limit their pitches, that you need to limit the amount of pitches they're throwing in games and in bullpens. And again, they just need to be on a good arm care program in order to just kind of build their resilience against injuries. But if at all possible, I mean, you know, it's 2.9 times more likely to get injured if you pitch and catch, you know, if you can avoid that, it would probably be worth doing. Yeah, I will do a search and see if we can find a link to that study to put in the show notes because that that's... Yeah, that's good. 2.9, that's big. <laughs> that's a lot. Right. As a mom of a catcher who often yeah. pitches... Ah, yeah, right. Um, right, right. <laughs> it's good mm-hmm. to know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ryan, would you recommend pitchers playing all year round? And if so, or if you don't, how long of a rest period would you recommend? Yeah, this is this is a good one. So there's some more studies that that actually talk about this specifically. So Oh, great. So there there's a study that showed that players who pitch for more than 8 months out of the year are 5 times more likely to get injured. And yeah, there's there's a study that showed that youth pitchers who throw more than 100 innings per year are 3 and a half times more likely to get injured. So I think it's becoming pretty clear in the research that, you know, kids who specialize in one sport are the kids who are more likely to get injured. And really, it's becoming more clear as well that a lot of the top athletes in any sport, whether it's tennis or golf or or baseball or what have you, 
almost all played multiple sports. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I don't think you have to play multiple sports, but I just think there's so much to be said for just getting a variety of movements and taking stress off of your body and not stressing your body in the same way all year round. You know, I think of Derek Jeter, you know, he he was one of my favorite players growing up and he was a multi-sport athlete. I know he played basketball. Yep. And he's from Michigan. And he, yeah, he's from <laughs> he's from Kalamazoo, right? Yeah. Yes, yes he, is. he is. Yes, he yes. is. <laughs> And so, yeah, so he's great. You know, he's famous for his, you know, the one footed throw that he did. He'd go to his backhand and and jump off of one foot and, you know, turn and throw just amazingly athletic play. And basically what he said was he was kind of just messing around in, in batting practice one day, taking some ground balls. And it just sort of came to him because he was used to playing basketball and jumping off of one foot and just being athletic. So I think that playing multiple sports not only decreases kids' risk of injury, but it also just makes them more athletic and it just makes them better at the sport that they want to play. So, you know, that that was sort of off topic a little bit, but I think that, you know, I think it's really important to not play just baseball all year round, you know, to decrease your risk of injury and just to be a better athlete. Right. And I have a, a little follow-up question there. It seems like most people do tend to agree that you shouldn't be pitching year-round. I mean, gosh, even MLB players give their arms a break. But mm-hmm. I've always wondered, what about just throwing in general? What if you're a youth athlete and you play other sports and you take a break from pitching, but say they take three, four months off, okay? Should they be throwing a little bit? None at all? I, I, I've always wondered, how does just regular, like, playing catch fit in there versus pitching? Right. That's that's a really, really good question. I think that I would recommend kids take completely off of throwing for at least six weeks, at least six or eight weeks. But I will say, just like you said, it's it's easier to ramp up back up for the season if you didn't completely shut it down. You know, it's like I would rather clean my house a little bit throughout the winter rather than just leave everything to the spring. You know, you know what I mean? Yes. So, yes, we do. (laughs) I, I think there's something to be said for, you know, keeping the arm going just a little bit. You don't have to stress it, but just to keep your movement patterns good. Just to, you know, just to stay athletic and, and kind of keep throwing just a little bit. But I would I would completely shut it down for like six or eight weeks. But you, you could certainly start building things back up and, and, you know, keep your arm just a little bit fresh so you don't have such a big ramp up for the spring season. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. Yep. Do you notice any particular qualities that differentiate pitchers you have worked with who seem more resilient than those who are more susceptible to injury? I think. I think just in general, the kids who are more resilient are just more efficient movers. I mean, they're just more athletic and they're more in control of their body. You know, they don't have limbs flying around everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the other thing, too, is consistency with doing exercises that strengthen your arm. I think those are the two things that I've seen being pretty efficient with your movement patterns and being consistent with your arm care training, I think those those two things put together make kids very resilient against injuries. That's good. Would you recommend a certain age to start throwing breaking balls or would it matter how often they throw those pitches? Oh, I can't wait for your answer on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one because it's really it's really hard to prescribe one age because there's so many factors that go in there. I know. You know, it's it's such a hard question, but there's actually one study, this is an interesting study that showed that breaking balls actually don't increase the forces through the elbow. So there's not actually more force through the elbow when you throw a curveball versus a fastball. And, 
you know, it, it sort of makes you wonder why, why there's such a controversy on, on curveballs. Right. I think one thing that, that came to my mind was the kids who are young that can throw a curveball sometimes get overused because they're pretty good pitchers, you know? So I think oh. it's probably more, I think it's more about efficient movement and not overdoing it versus just not throwing a curveball. I, I don't think throwing a curveball is, is really that much worse for your arm. But I, I will say this, I think just from a, a pitching perspective, I think it makes sense to master a changeup first, you know, to, to, to get <laughs> yeah. kids off speed with a changeup first. It's such an effective pitch that the kids overlook because mm-hmm. they want to they throw the, the breaking ball. And I, I really don't think if I had to put a number on it, I really don't don't think there's a need to start throwing curveballs before like age 12. I, I just don't. But, you know, some some kids do, which is OK. But again, I, I would say that the forces are not significantly more on the elbow, but I, I prefer change at first for sure. I love that you bring both like baseball type advice to that and your physical therapist type advice kind of melded together in right, one there. Right, <laughs> That's right. great. Because no, you're so right though. Like trying to convince an 11 year old that a change up can be super effective and maybe just as, and maybe even sometimes more effective than a curveball. Right. That's to them. That's the pitch they have to throw. That's true. And I'll say, I don't, I'm not going to like get into the details, but it's funny because a couple hours ago, my brother that I keep talking about and I kind of got into a little texting battle about this topic because he had just listened to our episode previous to the one we're recording. So he just listened to that and heard the answer. And so he sent me like his whole thoughts on it. And he kind of agreed that from what he had seen, it's not necessarily going to hurt them mm-hmm. to throw curveballs at any sort of age. But his argument is that who is going to teach an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old to throw the curveball correctly. Right, and right. he thinks the injuries come from them throwing it incorrectly. And I don't know, you know, based on based on your study, are we looking at major league level pitchers that, you know, all know how to throw a curveball? Or, you know, I'm guessing they probably weren't looking at 10-year-olds throwing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess to his point, that very well could be true. And and my point back to him was, but, you know, if you're going to throw it correctly, is it better to learn to throw it earlier when you're more open to instruction and you Mm -hmm. haven't already been messing around trying to do it, but doing it incorrectly in the backyard? So I don't know. (laughs) That's definitely a hard one for parents, I think. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, again, it's there's a lot that goes into it. I think, again, the key is just to not overdo it, just to not overuse (laughs) those pitchers who can throw a good curveball. And just to not repetitively throw curveballs over and over and over. But I think throwing a curveball every now and then is not going to damage anybody's elbow, you know, but but definitely having having some instruction to throw it correctly and not throw it too much is probably the best bet. Right. I I love your point earlier that maybe maybe you just solved this whole mystery. Maybe it's because, like you said, those kids that can master the curveball at a young age are often being overutilized. (laughs) So that's a good theory. I can remember one kid specifically. I mean, he was 10. He was nine or 10. When I was playing, I was I was nine or ten years old, and he he had a really good curveball. I hated facing him <laughs> because <laughs> he was really good. But I don't think he even made it to high school. He burned his arm out. I mean, he uh. threw curveballs all the time, and he was effective in getting ten year olds out. But he he didn't have a high school career, you know, because yeah. he, he he threw his arm out too early. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's Ugh. a really good point. Well, this will blend right into this one too then. How do you feel about pitch count guidelines and how important are they to follow? Yeah, this is a good question. <laughs> I heard I, that breath. <laughs> well, well, it's it's an important topic for sure. I mean, I think um, there was a research study that showed that kids who, who pitch on average more than 80 pitches per appearance 
are like 3.8 times more likely to get injured. You know, so there's certainly a relationship between volume of throws and injury. And of course, it's true that some kids could pitch, you know, way more than the guideline and be fine. And some kids, you know, couldn't pitch as much as the guideline, just depending on their conditioning of their arm, their durability, their mechanics, a lot of different factors. But really where the importance of, of the pitch counts comes into play is protecting the kids against an overzealous coach. And, you know, I hate to say that, but it's mm-hmm. true. You know, oh, yeah. If the coach really, you know, wants to win the game or win the championship and he throws Johnny out there for 140 pitches because he wants to win <laughs> and, he's, and he's the best pitcher, you know, yeah. that's what the pitch count guidelines are trying to avoid. And that's the key. So, you know, you're, you're never going to have one guideline that fits everybody perfectly. And that's okay. But you, you do have to protect the kids to some degree, you know, and it's interesting that in youth baseball, the number one reason kids get hurt is overuse. And that means that the majority of baseball injuries are preventable. They're completely preventable if we just stop overusing these kids and give them a decent arm care program to protect themselves. So with that being said, I think personally, the pitch smart guidelines, if you guys have seen these, these are really, really good. They're based on a lot of good research. Um, They're based on a lot of the research that I've shared with you guys. And to me, those are probably the best guidelines that I've seen. So that's, that's the one I would recommend, but yeah, I think you, I think you have to have a, you know, a pitch count, but Uh, those are MLB, right? The MLB pitch smart guidelines. Right. But exactly. They have, they have guidelines for each individual age group. Okay. Yeah. And we'll make sure to link those uh, youth pitch guidelines. And they're very similar to the little league as well. Cause I I wrote those down yeah, yeah, we uh-huh. will make sure to link those in the show notes. Piggybacking on what you said earlier, too, like, I mean, puberty does play a huge role. I mean, some kids that go through puberty a lot earlier, they start to get that muscle mass. And so, like you said, those numbers can be fudged a little bit. And those poor kids that have late puberty, like, gosh right. darn it, like, <laughs> I don't think that they should be pushing those because, yeah, they just don't right. have that muscle. Right, exactly. So I should get into the how I found you. I found you by Facebook randomly suggesting. Oh, it was random, huh? A group for me. <laughs> right, right. And I don't know why they would think I'd want to join my weird. 72nd baseball group. It's weird, yeah. <laughs> on Facebook. Weird. So, yeah, so they suggested I join. Oh, you're going to have to remind me what it's called because I didn't write it down. It's called Baseball Performance and Rehab. Okay, there you go. It was suggested I should join Baseball Performance and Rehab. And I was like, that sounds like a good group to join. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially yes, when we is. were looking to find a physical therapist. <laughs> yeah. Facebook knows a lot more than we give yes, them credit for. Yes, they do. For. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a fantastic group. I will link that as well because listeners should join this group. You've got uh, videos and things in there showing exactly how to do certain exercises. And I guess there's so much information about, you know, just look at these questions that we had for you on what kids should be doing. And, you know, my kid's trying to do everything he can to get stronger, to be able to throw harder, to be healthier in Oh my gosh, my husband has this huge list of everything he should be doing. He wants them to be, you know, he'll send me a link every day. Xander should be doing you know, <laughs> yoga. He'll send me like different like dynamic exercises. We have the bands. We have a list of exercises our physical therapist gave us a couple years ago that um, we can't remember how to do any of them anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, what what's your recommendation? What what should kids do to take care of their arm day in, day out, week in, week out? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good question. 
you made a good point too you know with social media these days there's just information overload there's just there's just so many drills there's so many things that kids could be doing and i think the key is to distill it down into something that's that's manageable and something that's that's doable on a, on a week in and week out basis i actually created an arm care program for this purpose it's called the ultimate arm care program and the program includes three arm care workouts per week with detailed video descriptions of each exercise. They're baseball-specific arm care exercises and mobility drills. And I included a pre-throwing routine in there, a post-throwing routine. I talk about some recovery concepts and strategies and also included a pitcher's weekly recovery schedule. So, you know, what the pitcher should be doing the day after his start and, and the day after that and throughout the whole week. And so it just kind of gives a plan for kids to follow and it gives detailed instructions on how to do each exercise. And, and, you know, really being consistent with this type of program is guaranteed to help kids improve their arm strength, you know, improve their durability, decrease their risk of injuries. So I'm really excited about the program and, you know, I'm, I'm just excited for kids to be consistent with something that's really, really going to help them to decrease their risk of injuries. I'm a physical therapist and I don't want to see you in my office. <laughs> you know, I want, <laughs> I want to stop those injuries before you get to me. So that's the program I created. So we mentioned your group. Is that the best place for people to go to find information on the arm care program? Yeah, so you'll, you'll be able to find it in the baseball performance and rehab group. The website for the arm care program is ultimatearmcareprogram.vhx.tv. So if you type that in, then you'll, it'll take you straight to the arm care program and it'll give you some more information. And you can also reach out to me on Facebook if you have any questions at all about the arm care program. And you can find me right in that baseball performance and rehab Facebook group. Okay. Is it for all ages or is there a specific age group you created it for? That's a great question. This program is for all ages. Really, I designed it for anyone about 10 years and up. And the way it works is each exercise has what we call progressions and regressions. So just a way to make it a little bit easier for the kids who are a little bit younger or a little bit harder for the kids that are older. So something that's appropriate for each age. Okay. And another question about that, is this a one-time purchase or is this something that people are subscribing to? How does that work? Yeah, so this is actually just a one-time purchase. So you purchase it one time. And you get access to the content forever. So you, you can go through the, the videos as many times as you want. And I have in there as well, there's there's a, a couple PDF uh, documents that guide you through the program. Um, so it has the arm care program in there. It has the pre-throwing routine. It has the, re the recovery um, in, a, in another document. So, yeah, you get all that content just with the one purchase. Okay, perfect. Because I know I personally am signed up for enough uh, monthly subscriptions. <laughs> right, I don't right, think my right. budget could take another one. But <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> One-time purchases is, yeah, that's doable. <laughs> right. That's great. I think that that's all that we've got. I'm so glad that you were able to join us tonight. All these uh, questions that we, you know, we got these brief answers to, but no, no understanding as to why we should do them. So yeah, we appreciate the explanation. It, we appreciate that. And it was nice to see, honestly, that you were on the same page with our previous expert yeah. on just about everything. So I feel like that really helps listeners to get a better idea and of what we should be doing to help protect, you know, our young pitchers arms. So Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, thanks for what you guys do to sort of promote this kind of content and just help kids, you know, to have the best information to move their careers forward in a healthy way. 
Yeah, Diana, I think we should start a new series that's like Dr. Ryan on deck or something. So then when we have questions, he's baseball related that we can also do like, so maybe next series we can be doing like um, some exercise for our outfielders. <laughs> Are you okay with or that? we can just send them to his group. Yeah, <laughs> and right, they can right. ask him. Hey, I'm fine with all the above. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. Have a good one. Yeah. Have a good night. Bye. I think that's all we have for episode 24. Make sure you find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at moms in baseball, or you can subscribe and follow us on your podcast player. And if you're enjoying our podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star rating review. On deck for next week is an interview with semi-pro baseball player, Lennon Guizdala. Until then, have fun at the fields. We'll see you next week. And your son's up to the plate, so perfect. Uh-huh. I'm not, I can't look at it at the same time, Diana. So let me give me a thumbs up if it was uh-huh. if he hits a home run, I'll stop you. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Physical therapist said, you know, when they were testing his range of motion and everything. Sorry, my kid just got hit, but he's okay. <laughs> All right, he's good. Oh he's good. He's good. He's good. Oh <laughs> Squirrel, back, back to here, Diana. Back. Well, I had to make sure he was okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Anyway.